Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Listen, I want to, I want to, I tell you what, I'm going to read this scripture and I'm going to let you sit down because I know you probably had a hard past few days, New Year's Day, and probably y'all, you know, you're exhausted, so I want to read this, and I'm going to let you sit down, and I want to share something. Take your Bible and turn with me, please, uh, to the book of Romans, chapter 7, and then I want you to go over to the Old Testament, to the book of Esther. Somebody said, is Esther in my Bible? Yes, it is. It is right after Nehemiah and right before the book of Job. My wife said that. Did you say you didn't? No, I just misunderstood you. Esther, the book of Esther, Romans chapter 7. Actually, going to be moving between Romans chapter 7 and chapter 8 and the book of Esther. And there's no way that we'll get around to all of this today, but uh, Lord's willing, we're going to be sharing some more on this on Wednesday night. And we'd love to have you uh, come and be with us on Wednesday night. I know it's tough sometimes getting off work late and all that, but uh, I would encourage you to make the effort, especially uh, if you've got children, um, We've got an awesome, awesome kids program from, <clears throat> from nursery all the way up. Uh, Pastor Tammy, uh, Extreme Kids, they're back there now uh, having church, worshiping, just like we're doing in here. Uh, and we've, we've got an uh, awesome youth ministry, uh, youth pastor. Uh, he's, you know, he's kind of dry a little bit, but every once in a while he gets excited about Jesus, and Brother Pat over there, I'm uh, just picking, but uh, got a great youth pastor, Brother Pat, Sister Taya, uh, just started uh, the last month of this past year. We're excited about what God's doing in that area of ministry, and uh, we've got uh, college and career class. Sister, uh, Sister Melissa, I've only known her 20 years, I forgot her name, but uh, Sister Melissa uh, doing a great job with that. Amen. We got uh, a younger adults class, and by the way, some of y'all need to move out of that class and move in here, but uh, I'm not going to call any names, but anyway, we've got a great young adult class, Bruce and Amber are heading that up on Wednesday night. So there's a, there's a group for every age. And I want to encourage you, uh, you know, make that one of your priorities this year, that I'm going to be a part of Wednesday night. Sister Natalie has got our grief uh, care program that's going on. So many other programs that are going on here. And there's something that you can connect with. And I believe it's extremely important Guys, mom and dad, that you place priority on church, because we're we're in a we're in a, a seat our time, and and we're uh, our children are being raised in a generation where church is becoming less and less a priority, 
So I think it's important to uh, establish that priority with your children. Amen? So Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. Shadow boxing. I, I'm, I'm going to get to that in just a minute. Thank you, baby. I appreciate that. Now you turn to Romans chapter 7, but I want to read something out of Romans chapter 8 and verse 7, and then I'm going to let you sit down. Romans chapter 8 and verse 7, if you're there, say amen. amen. Because the carnal mind, everybody say carnal mind. One translation says, for the mind that is set on the flesh. I believe that's what we have up here. For the mind that is set on the flesh is enmity or an enemy against God or hostile to God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot, everybody say cannot, cannot please God. Can I read that one more time? I'm going to read it like we've got it up here. Can you take it back to, there you go. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Why is it hostile to God? The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God because God is going to lead you in a direction that your fleshly mind doesn't necessarily want to go. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And then in verse 8 it says, Because those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, let your word saturate us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing in honor to the reading of God's Word, and also thank you for bringing your Bible to church. All right? And I want to encourage you. I know that, like me, I've got everything on my phone. I've got Bibles. I've got commentaries. I've got all that stuff on my phone. But I also think it's important to have a hard copy of the Word of God that you tote with you. Amen? Amen. So I thank you for bringing your Bible to church. All right, I want to get right into this. We're in 31 days of preparation for what we believe that God wants to do through us and in us in this hour. It is not about the preacher. It is not about whether you've got a position or whether you've got a specific calling on your life, all of us in here that have been touched by the hand of God are going to be touched by the hand of God. You've got a calling on your life. You've got a responsibility on your life. You might say, well, I'm nothing but just a dad. Well, you've got responsibility of teaching your children, leading your wife or whatever Uh, to the knowledge of God. All of us, every one of us, have a responsibility when it comes to our service for God. God wants to use you. 
You need to get that in your spirit. Doesn't matter what has happened in the past. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter who you've been with. It doesn't matter your failures or all of that. You need to get in your spirit that God wants to use me and God can use me. I am not too old. I am not too dumb. I am not too uneducated for God to use me. It doesn't matter the color of my skin. It doesn't matter the color of my hair. It doesn't matter if I have teeth or don't have teeth. God wants to use you. You have a role to play in the kingdom of God. God has a purpose for you being where you are. Your past and the stumbles of your past can become the greatest stepping stones for your future if you will get God involved in the failures of your past. He will take your failures and raise you up and do something great through your failures. So, in this 31 days of preparation, and this wasn't planned, it just happened this way, but... My wife brought up just a few minutes ago about uh, shadow boxing. Shadow boxing is a class that is a part of our school of ministry that will be starting this Tuesday night, this coming Tuesday night here at the church. It'll start at 6 o'clock, I think, 6.30, and go till about 8.30, 6.30 to 8.30, starting Tuesday night, be one night a week on Tuesday night, and uh, my wife will be teaching that class, and that class involves understanding warfare, understanding spiritual battle, understanding how to war against the enemy of your soul, the enemy of your family. Uh, you, will, you will gain an understanding of open doors and what allows the enemy to come in and inflict damage in your life. It is a great, great tool uh, and I would encourage you, if you have never been a part of that class of shadow boxing, you need to be here Tuesday night. All right? It's, it's a great, great tool. And it's also, the awesome thing is it fits right in to what we're doing for preparation, uh, 31 days of preparation. Because it will equip you on how to fight spiritual warfare. I dare say if I was to ask you the question this morning, how many of you in here today are in some type of spiritual warfare, most everybody in here would raise your hands. We are in a time that warfare is going on. You need to know how to fight. You need to know how to be effective in fighting a good warfare. All right. <clears throat> so, Romans chapter 8 and verse 7 talks about the carnal mind and how the carnal mind is an enmity or an enemy against God. It's hostile to God. And uh, it cannot subject itself to God. So it might be that you're here this morning and you're wondering why I can't overcome these battles that I've been fighting, Pastor. Why can't I get through and, and seem to get victory? Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever committed yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ? 
Have you ever totally and completely committed to his authority? Because until you come under the authority of Jesus Christ, you will never be able to walk in the blessing that he can give. You see, the battle that you and I fight is a battle of our mind. We're made up of three parts. You've got a body. You've got a soul and a spirit. The body is the housing or the casing for your soul and your spirit. If you didn't have a body, we wouldn't know you were here today. Your body has been given to you so that it can display the glory of God. Come on now. Mac makeup helps it out a little bit. But you have been given a body so that when people look at you, they can say, look what God is doing in that individual's life. See, that's the reason the Bible says that, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? You need to take care of your body Because when you take care of your body, you are honoring that that's on the inside. Amen? Amen. Amen. But you have a soul. and, And your soul consists of your mind, your will, and your emotions. If you're taking notes, write some stuff down. Because it'll really help you understand preparation. I have a mind, a will, and an emotion. The biggest battlefield in your life is your mind. The devil wants to attack your mind because if he can attack your mind, he can affect your will. And when he affects your will, he will always impact your emotions. That's the reason that if you worry about something and you stress out about something, that is an effect that's coming against your mind. And as you worry about it and stress out about it, it begins to affect your will. And when it begins to affect your will, you begin to be doubtful about yourself You begin to lose the authority that God has given you. And you begin to sink down in the midst of all the worry and the stress. And once you do that, you will find yourself because your mind has dictated to your will what it should think. Then all of a sudden, you find those drops of water begin to come down your cheeks. And you get all emotional. Your husband walks in the house, says, hey, baby, I am so glad to be home. I love you so much. And you look at him and say, don't even think about it. That was a good time, guys, for you to say amen. Under your breath, you don't have to make it out loud. 
That's the reason, sir, that, that you come home from work and you snap off at your wife. You snap off at your children. Why? Because something has happened that's affected your mind. And instead of praying about it and submitting it to the authority of God, you've been ruminating on it all day long. And it's now affecting your will. And now your will has gotten weak. And you walk in and the first person that you see, you bite their head off and all of that. And you get emotional and all of that. Why? Because the mind is the biggest battlefield. And the devil knows if I can affect your mind I can affect every area of your life why do you think Coca-Cola chose red and white to advertise their product because red appeals to your mind to your senses Red catches you. Why do you think advertisers spend so much, millions and millions of dollars advertising a product on a TV screen or on a billboard going down the interstate? Because they want to plant something in your mind. Why does one of those uh, uh, beer companies, I think it's Bush or somebody that's got uh, their, their big thing was, was this uh, cold mountain stream of water that was flowing down out of a mountain with, with snow on the rocks and all that. And a 90-pound model sitting there with, with a few cotton strips on in the middle of that stream, knowing she ain't going to be in the middle of that stream and snow on a mountain. I don't know where that came from. just thought it. Do you understand? Those things are done to plant something in your mind. If we don't understand the spiritual side of our lives, the spirit is what connects with God. The spirit man connects with God. You can't connect with God with your hands. And I'm afraid that there are many people that are trying to connect to God with their mind. Come on, Pentecostals. Some of y'all think that just because you get goosebumps, you've been in the presence of God. Some of you think that because you, you speak in tongues every once in a while or raise your hand that you've been in the presence of God. Listen, I'm thankful that I can pray in tongues and speak in tongues. And I'm glad that I can get in the presence of God. But I understand this, that the most important aspect of God is not what I connect to Him with my mind or my will or my emotions, but it's my spirit that connects with Him, that tells me that God is who He said he was and nothing is impossible with him 
You see, if I connect with God with my mind, when the battle gets hard and the, the way gets rough and the enemy begins to come in and war against me, my mind will, will give me up. My mind will let me down. But if I'm connected with God in my spirit, my spirit is feeding my mind instead of the world feeding my mind. My spirit is saying, mind, you got to get your act together. Mind, you got to understand you're in a warfare. Mind, you better get it together because this uh, depression and all of that is not of God. I ain't getting nowhere in my message, all right? But you understand, I want you to understand the importance. And I, and I think that that's one of the things that God is doing through this 31 days of preparation is that you're going to hear some things that perhaps you've not been hearing a lot. But I want you to understand, guys, it is not uh, whether or not you signed your name to a, a, a role 20 years ago, that's not what makes you saved. Belonging to the first church over here or the second one down the road or the third one up the road there somewhere, that is not what makes you a born-again Christian. It is relationship with God. Going to church does not make you a Christian. Some of you husbands just bumped your wife and said, see there, baby, I told you we didn't have to be here today. But, but, if you are a born-again Christian, you're going to want to be in church. You see, because you're going to want to fellowship with people like yourself. I worry about people who say, well, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I can do just fine sitting at my house. I worry about that. Because it lets me know there's something inside their spirit has not been committed to Christ. I got to move on. But... But I want you to understand, this, this, these days of preparation are times when you can assess your relationship with God. It's a, it's a time where, where you can uh, sit back and look at yourself and say, God, I want you to show me what you see when you look at me. Because we're all masters of coming in church. I know what it is. I know how it is, guys. I've been there, done that. Drive up in the parking lot. Been fussing all the way to church. Been threatening to throw the kids out the window and telling your wife to hush and all that and, and all the way to church and, and, and everything is all messed up in your life. And when you drive up in the parking lot, and switch the car off, you switch the smile on. And you get out and walk in the church and, and people look at you and say, how's everything going? Oh man, it's great. <laughs> We're masters at that. 
But I want you to understand that when you walk into McCullough Christian Center, you walk in like you are. And, and don't worry about trying to hide what's going on in your life because we're here today not for your smile, but we're here today to see God do a work in your life. God wants to deal and work with messed up people, and he's right here. So you need to, I want you to, it's, it's a time to, to evaluate yourself and to look at yourself and ask yourself the question, what do I need to do uh, to be a, a stronger Christian or a better mom or a better husband? What do I need to do to ensure that my children, this is big, what do I need to do to ensure that my children will follow my path? I think the greatest testimony of a man or woman of God is to have their children being men and women of God. That's your, listen, at the end, think about this, at the end of the day, at the end of your day, sir, all the money that you put back for your children, all the times that you've spent, the hours that you've spent on softball lessons, pitching lessons, Those things are good. I enjoy that. I love to see my children, my girls. I was hoping they could be major league baseball players, but it didn't happen. But I love that. But I understand, ladies and gentlemen, that at the end of the day, if they, if they make it, if, they, if it's a career, then that will be good. But a career without relationship with Christ is of no value. So, understand this time, 31 days of January, push things aside, focus on your relationship with God. See, I'm doing something, Judy's doing something. It's totally different. So don't, don't worry about, if you can't come, to, don't worry about it. Focus on what God is wanting to do in you and through you. So I told you to turn also to the book of Esther. And so what what I would like to do is I want you to, to take, the book of Esther has 10 chapters in it. It is an unusual book to start out talking about 31 days of preparation, I realize. But the Lord has just really dealt with me on some things in the book of Esther. One of the things about the book of Esther that makes it unique is this. 
God is not mentioned in the book of Esther. You read the whole book and you will not see God mentioned in the book of Esther. His name is not in the book of Esther. How many of you knew that? That makes it unique. That makes it a different book. Really, there's not, not even any allusion to God in the book of Esther. And so what I believe that God wants us to see in that is we read the book of Psalm and we read about the greatness of God. We read about the majesty of God. We read about His mercy. We, we read in, in the book of Genesis and we see in the beginning God created. And so we understand the creative power of God. All the way through Exodus, we see the hand of God in delivering His people. In Leviticus, we see the holiness of the sacrifice, uh, the sacrificial altar of God. The book of Numbers, we see how God uh, worked in generation after generation of men and women building and making and bringing together a nation of people. We could go all the way through, all the way to the end, to the book of Revelation, and we see uh, God sitting on the throne, and we see Jesus as the Lamb of God seated at the right hand of the throne of, of the Father. But yet in the book of Esther, the very one that the Bible is centered around is not mentioned by name. There are no allusions to the hand of God in the book of Esther. So I, 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 I knew that and, and God began to deal with me about that. And I said, God, what has that got to do with 31 days of preparation? And this is what Holy Spirit began to deal with me about with the book of Esther. God began to speak to my heart and he said, son, I want you to understand that to the Jew back in the times of Jesus and back in the Old Testament, the name of God was, was considered to be so holy that they wouldn't even mention, they wouldn't even speak the name God. That's the reason they used Yahweh. That's the reason that we have names that we uh, attribute to God like Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, which says God is peace. Jehovah Tiskanu were names that were attributed to a specific act of God. But to the Jew. The name of God was such a holy name. How many of you have ever read Jewish literature or Jewish writings? Have you noticed in, in those writings where when they, when they use the name of God, they'll have a capital G with a dash and then the D? You know why? Because they believed that the name of God was so holy. Here's the thing, 
Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and he said, son, he said, in this dispensation or in this time that we're living in, he said, my name means very little to most people. He said, my name used to be revered. It used to be honored. He said, but now, in the hour that we're in, God said, my name means very little to the average person. That's the reason that it's so easy for people to take God's name in vain. Think about this. That's the reason that I hear many Christians misusing the name of God. He said, my name is still holy. I said, but but, but, but God, why the book of Esther? I want you to catch this. God said, because in the book of Esther, my name is never mentioned, but my imprint, my sovereignty, my authority, and my power is clearly seen you missed that you didn't catch that you you missed it I'm gonna have to say it again I can't remember the the one who said it but there was one of the old church fathers uh, discipled uh, was a discipler of, of Christians and he, he would send his disciples out. And he would tell them, go out and preach the gospel. Use words if necessary. You see, ladies and gentlemen, I believe that what God is wanting to do that is different. Because there are many people that will talk about God, that will use the name of Jesus, that will wear a big cross around their neck and a bumper sticker on the back of their car that look good on the outside, but yet they have no relationship with God. And I believe that what God is wanting to do in 2022, in the month of January, that God is saying, I want to do a work in people that when they walk out of the church or when they walk out of their house, they will have to advertise the fact that I am a blood-bought child of God. You won't have to get on Facebook and let everybody know that you are born again. You won't have to get on social media and tell everybody how holy 
holy you are and all of that. But when you walk down the street, people will look at you and say there's something different about Carl Smith. I don't know what it is. I've watched him on the sideline when he's coaching those boys. And there's something about him that is different. Mm. You see, there is, there is a difference. There's a difference. I've been around people that, and, and I'm going to just be honest with you, I've been around people that could speak in tongues, and I would say, wow, what a, just a fluent language. But they were the biggest devils you'd ever want to get around. I've been around people, listen, I was raised up in church. You have to work real hard to put something over this one. Because I've seen about every dirty trick Christians can play. But I've seen Christians that would have the hair right, the clothes right, and be looking good. And I would look at them and say, if I was Jesus, I would be patting you on the back. But they would be the biggest devils that you had ever been around. They would cut you up, chew you out, and spit on you with not a problem. I done convicted some of y'all, hadn't I? Yeah. But I've been around men and women of God. They never said anything to me. But there was something about them. Sister Judy, your mom, you know what I'm talking about. You, you, didn't, have to, you didn't have to say, are you a Christian? There was something about them that you get around them, Brother Larry, and you automatically knew that they had been with Jesus. See, the disciples in the book of Acts were fought, and they were fought every way possible. But even the kings and the men uh, of high stature had to look at them and say, they have been with Jesus. Why? Because there was something that came out of them that let the world know there is a difference with them. You see, the Lord began to deal with me and he said, Son, in the book of Esther, you will see the story of people that were used greatly by me, but never mentioned my name. <laughs> Listen, if I'd had breakfast this morning and I wasn't hungry, y'all would be here for a while today, all right? I'm just telling you. So I, I want to I want to 
kind of give you some things today. If, if you go over to the book of Esther, there are four main characters in the book of Esther. Four main characters in the book of Esther. The first one is the king. King Ahasuerus. King Ahasuerus is a Persian king. They are known for their cruelty, especially to conquered nations. The second one is one who is called Haman. Haman is an evil individual. He is a manipulator. He is a controller. He is a deceiver. He is a smile to your face and a knife to your back. And the third one is Mordecai. Mordecai is first introduced as being outside the king's gate. And the fourth character in the book of Esther is Esther herself. She is the niece of Mordecai. Or I'm sorry, actually she is a cousin to Mordecai. She was a little Jewish lady, virgin girl. So those four, four characters make up the book of Esther. And because of, of the constraint of time this morning, I'm going to leave you there because I want you to, to take the book of Esther and the book of Romans chapter 7 and chapter 8. And I want you to read them. And I want you to study them in this coming week. Because I think there's some things there that Lord's willing we're going to cover and talk about uh, for the next couple of weeks that I believe that God wants us to see. And the way that I'm going to approach this is that King Ahasuerus is me. King Ahasuerus was unsaved. He didn't have relationship with God. He didn't know the God of Israel. He was a very prominent king. But yet King Ahasuerus was manipulated and deceived by his prime minister, Haman. Haman is a picture of your flesh. King Ahasuerus is a picture of your spirit. Haman would smile to the face of the king, but in reality, he was a deceiver. In reality, he was a manipulator. There are those of you that are in here this morning that you are a victim of your flesh manipulating your spirit and controlling your moves. 
And you think that what your flesh is feeling is good. But in reality, what your flesh wants to do is usurp the authority in your life and to keep you away from God. Mordecai is a picture of the Holy Spirit and how Holy Spirit was standing on the outside of King Ahasuerus' life. But yet Mordecai, being a picture of Holy Spirit, was moving and changing and setting things up for an opportunity for God to move through Esther. You see, you better thank God for the Mordecai in your life. Because even in the midst of your rebellion and the midst of your messing up, there's a Mordecai that's standing outside of your life and he's walking back and forth in the gate of your life looking for an opportunity to set something up where God can intervene in your life and do a work in your life. And then there's this little virgin daughter, Esther. <laughs> that woke up this morning at 6 a.m. Sat in a little mud house. Combed her hair. Went about her daily chores. But she didn't know. Oh my goodness. I'm having trouble quitting, but I'm going to quit. She didn't know that about 9 a.m. that cousin Mordecai was working his thing. She didn't know that at 9 a.m. there was going to be a knock on the door and say, hey, Esther, Hadassah, was her Jewish name. Hadassah, get your clothes on. Get, get, don't worry about packing a bag. Don't worry about getting that, that smelly perfume. You got. Don't worry about all that. Just get your shoes on and come with me because I have orchestrated some things on your behalf. And today you're going to get to sit in the king's palace. Today you're going to get to be in the presence See, Hadassah, or Esther, represents that newness, that new person that we become when we surrender to the authority of God. Can I have another hour? I mean, the front row got it, those of you in the back. Didn't say anything. So I want you to understand that I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring the book of Esther to you. And it's all about you. Because you are King Ahasuerus. And you've got a Haman that has been warring against you and you didn't even realize it. That's the reason that if, if we went back to Romans chapter 
uh, 8, or yeah, 8, where we started from, you could read it like this, because the Haman mind is an enemy against God. Because Haman is always, listen, Haman wants gratification for himself. The reason that he became a part of the story was that he despised Mordecai because Mordecai wouldn't bow down and give him honor. That's, that's the reason that when you begin to deny Haman, He's not going to go down easy. Haman is going to do everything he can to war against Mordecai. Holy Spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because as long as Haman is in control, Mordecai is going to stay on the outside. So in this 31 days of preparation, this, this, this story, this plot is going to get real thick. There's going to be some classic manipulation and all of that, some, some intrigue. But I believe at the end of it, you're going to recognize how the hand of God can move and work through people to set up something awesome by God and never mention the name of God. Y'all need to be quiet, all right? Just, just be quiet, all right? They're just agging me on. <clears throat> because you see, I know when the anointing is moving, and I know when Holy Spirit is flowing and Holy Spirit is flowing this morning. And no, he's not flowing in a way where everybody's swinging off the light fixtures. But he's flowing in a way because we're beginning to identify some things in our lives that have been hindering us, that have been holding us back. People, things that have been hindering and holding us back. Get ready. Because God's going to do something awesome. Would, would you stand with me, please?
So here's the thing. <clears throat> Please read the book of Esther. Read chapter 7 and chapter 8, the book of Romans, and think Wednesday night, Lord's willing, we're just going to just really throw down on this and really dig into it and see what God is saying to us because I believe God is saying a lot. Hallelujah. Would you lift up your hands, your hearts, ever how you're comfortable? Whatever you're comfortable in doing <clears throat> as a sign of surrender to God. See, because I know there are people that are here. And you have... You have been a victim of the Hamans. Haman has manipulated, connived, and all those things. But I want you to understand something. Haman hated Mordecai, but Haman's real intention was to depose the king. But in order to dethrone the king, he had to deal with Mordecai. And I just pulled the cover back from things that have been going on in many of your lives. And I want to tell you this morning that the flesh is an enemy against what God wants to do in your life. How do I deal with the flesh? Commit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to his authority. And let him be the Lord of your life. Father, we come this morning in the name of Jesus. God, you are great, you are mighty, and you are powerful. Father, you said there's no weapon that's formed against us that could prosper. You said every tongue that would rise up against us in judgment would be condemned. But Father, you never said that the weapon wouldn't be formed. And you never said that the tongue would not rise up. But you did say that it would not prosper. So Father, this morning, I thank you today that there are men and women in this room today. That there, there are men in this room this morning. They have been tempted they have been lured, they have been pulled by things that they do not need to fool with because their flesh is giving in 
to the, the allurement of the world. But Father, I thank you this morning that in the name of Jesus, we are exposing the Hamans. We are exposing the power of Haman to manipulate, to control, and to deceive. And so Father, this morning, in the name of Jesus, I pray a blessing over the mind. I pray a blessing over the will and the emotion, Father, of the men in this room today. Father, I speak over the ladies this morning. There are perhaps ladies that are here today that have been dealing with the same issues. Loneliness and things such as that has caused them to begin to look in a direction that they don't need to look into. Father, I come against those spirits of perversion. In the name of Jesus and father today they are a child of God they are kings father and God you've called them to be that so father I speak a blessing over their lives this morning the devil is a liar listen Might be more than, than one or two, but there, there's somebody in here this morning. You've been entertaining some things that are going to be destructive for your life. You might be a teenager that feels the pressure of giving up your virginity. You might be a father or a mother that's paying too much attention to the opposite sex at work. And you might say, it won't hurt anything. Nobody will ever know. You better read the story of Haman because it will be found out. And I want to tell you this morning that you have been brought here today for Holy Spirit to put a finger on that and to rescue you from destruction. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you today. I thank you this morning, Holy Spirit, that you are working and moving even right now. Make us vessels. Create new wine in us. Help us to endure the pressing. Because we know that something new, something great is going to come. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. Now you can put your hands back down. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, you know what? I want to commit myself to the Lord in 2022. I want to submit to his authority, and I want to be all that I can be for him. I've not done that in the past, but I want to do it this year. I want to connect with a body of believers. Listen, we'd love to have you connect with us. But if you don't feel at home here, find somewhere where you can connect and be a part of the family. 
If that's you this morning, I'm not going to ask you to come to the altar and, and I'm not going to disappoint you because y'all thought I was fixing to say amen, and I am. But I want you to let me know. We do that. We let me know. You can email me. You can contact me on Messenger, Facebook, snail mail, whatever you want to do. Let me know because I want to encourage you and I want to pray for you. Will you do that? Father, I bless your people this morning. I thank you that your word is your word. I thank you for what you're doing in us and through us. And Father, I thank you for this 31 days of preparation that you're raising up an army that will fight and make a difference in our community. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.